Hey guys, this is Phil. You're listening to the Vision Podcast. How many of you have ever prayed and just didn't have confidence in what you prayed or in your prayer in general? Today, we're going to answer that question. We're going to talk about having confidence in the prayer that you prayed. Hope you enjoy it. You know, I'm grateful for people that are obedient, that will step out and be, to, be obedient to what God puts in their heart. And, um, and I've watched Aaron and Julie walk out what God has put in their heart, and it's been a blessing to watch because I'm excited about what God is going to do. Amen? Amen? So that will, be, uh, that will be the first, you said the first week in May? Okay, that's what we're, that's our goal. And so we'll be announcing that as we get closer and it's going to be good. How many of you are ready to get into the word a little bit? All right, stand up with me because we're just going to read a scripture and then we're going to pray. I know we have already, but we just want to prepare our heart. Um, I shared, I shared a little thing that I heard when uh, I went to a conference recently. I heard Michael Jr. and I shared this thing with my wife and my wife said, oh, you need to, you need to share that Sunday. So, I'm not a stand-up comic, but I play one on TV. No, I, no. So, anyway, so this is what he said. He said, you know, there's a, there is a thing, because he was in a group of a bunch of men. And he said, all of the men, how many of you guys know that there are rules for men hugging? They're unspoken. Nobody ever talks about them, but we all know what they are, don't we? Right? Okay. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to voice them as Michael did that day, okay? So he said, here's rule number one. No hug never lasts longer than uh, uh, 1.3 seconds. That's the extent of the hug. He said, and then rule number two, you tap out. When the hug's over, you know, and then, thank you. And then number three, let me see if I can remember rule number three. Rule number three, oh, he said, if... You know, most hugs, to me, you know, you you catch the hand right, and then you just lean the shoulder in, because you're not getting the full body hug, right? But if for some reason you get the full body hug, he said, one arm over, one arm under. He said, otherwise, if one guy goes low, another guy goes high, you're dancing, you know? Okay, let me read the scripture, and let's just, you know, anyway. So, honey, I did it. There you go. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's say that out loud. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Father, we just pray and we ask, Lord, that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to thank you guys so much for all of the birthday blessings and the wishes And I'm enjoying double nickels. Yeah, 55, come on, and alive. Man, good to see you guys. But I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for that. Also, next weekend, Dan Moeller, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. How many of you have never heard Dan? Never heard him? Okay, so there's a bunch of you. All right, so I want to encourage you to come. Because this is our outreach that we're going to be having on Friday and Saturday night. It's going to be at the Rock Church, the Rock in, of Northwest Arkansas. That's out in Tawny Town on your way like you're going to Salem Springs from here. It's going to be on the right-hand side there behind Cross Point Church uh, back in there. And it's easy to find. 
but uh, we, were, we tried to rent this facility and they already had something that was on the books. Uh, and so it was already rented out on the Friday. And so um, Apostle Todd over there at The Rock was very gracious and said, why don't you use my church building? And so we're going to be taking extra chairs over there. So I want to encourage you in something. This is your outreach. Say, say that out loud. This is my outreach. I wasn't very strong, but I'm going to go with it. But Vision Church, this is our outreach. And I'm telling you, I have been excited about this for months, ever since Dan called me and, and, and said he wanted to come, and this were the dates that he could come. I, I just said, man, God is getting ready to do something huge in our church. And I'm so excited about the presence of God that comes when, whenever I've seen Dan minister. I've seen, I've seen healings. I've seen all kinds of awesome things happen in people's lives. All right. So uh, if you would, turn in your Bible over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. Now, we just read Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust is the very foundation for faith. Your faith sits on the foundation of trust. In fact, people in your own life, people that you know, when you trust them, then that means you trust what they say. That if they tell you something, you know you can take it to the bank, they're going to do it. Because they're faithful to the word, and they have that history of trust. But I see a, a challenge, an issue in the body of Christ, and that's the issue of trust. Christians have some trust issues. And I'm not talking about necessarily people, but trust issues with God. So let, I'm going to get into that a little bit, but I want to read this scripture in 1 John chapter 5. In verse 14, it says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Now notice he says that this is the confidence that we have in him. Our confidence is in the fact that he hears us. And then we also know that he will answer the prayer. Why? Because we are praying in line with his will. We're praying his will over the situation. And so because we're praying his will, we have full confidence in prayer that it's going to be answered. Many people don't have confidence in prayer because they're really not sure what God's will is. And, and what that turns the prayer into is begging. I am, oh God, please, please, please. But something tremendously powerful happens when you begin to pray his will. So the big question is, God, how do I pray your will over a situation? Because Phil, I... I don't know how you can know God's will in some situations. Well, let's answer that by looking at a couple of scriptures. First of all, I want to ask this question. Is God completely trustworthy? Why? Why is he completely trustworthy? Because he's good. Why else? What's the most obvious reason? Because he can never tell a lie. He's incapable of lying. Right? In fact, it says that in, 20, in Numbers 23, 19, it says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he can change his mind. He, he not only doesn't lie, he cannot lie. 
He's not capable of lying. He's only capable of speaking truth to people. Amen. So, uh, so I want to show you another scripture over in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Turn over there real quick. We're going to look at a scripture there. Is Spencer still in the room? Where, there you are. Yeah, I, Spencer is studying to be a lawyer. That's why I'm pointing him out. And uh, he's almost done with school. How, how much do you have left here? How much do you have left? May. May. May, you're done. And then you take the bar, right? And voila, you're a lawyer, right? Okay. So what law... <laughs> Sorry. So it's like it's magical or something. <laughs> you know, you just say uh, anybody could be, no. Um, but you've worked, he's worked really hard. Um, but I imagine you read a lot of books. Yeah, so you, it's constantly, because the practice of law, right, is if, let's say I'm a prosecuting attorney, and there's a case coming up, and I'm going to be going before the judge. What is one of the most important things that I need to bring with me to the case? I need to have, yes, the law, and I need to have precedent, right? I need to have other cases that are very much like the one that's being tried, if not exact, hopefully exactly, but if not, as close as I can get so that they can see what the outcome was to this case, right? That's precedent. Now, with that in mind, let's read this scripture in Isaiah 43. Look at verse 26. God is speaking to the prophet Isaiah. He says this, put me in remembrance let us contend together, state your case that you may be acquitted. Let me read it again. Put me in remembrance, let us contend together, state your case that you may be acquitted. Now, what is God wanting you to put him in remembrance of? Of his word. What his word says. The word is precedent. Why? Because God's will is his word. This is why he went to all the trouble to write all of this down so that you and I could have it. So that we would be able to take his word and say, God, you said this, and because you said this, I can stand on that promise because I know that it says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what you said yesterday still stands for today. And so that means I can take that promise, I can bring it as precedent before the throne room of the justice of God, and I can make my case known. And now, going back to 1 John, I'm praying with confidence instead of, dear God, I hope this works. Come on, let's throw a prayer up. And that's why you feel like they're sticking to the ceiling, not getting past the roof. Why? Because... You're not sure what his will is. But when we find out what his will is, now we're praying with a whole different confidence. We have complete confidence in God. Oh, man, 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 man. Because Mark 4.14 says the sower sows the word. So our responsibility is to go and find the word. This is the importance of reading a daily Bible reading plan. You can read three chapters a day, five on Sunday, and be through the whole Bible in a year. It's, it's very simple. And I read it not just so I can, at the end of the year, say, 
I've read through the Bible because I've read through the Bible every year since I don't remember when. I've not kept track how many times I've read through the Bible, but it has been a lot because I'm double nickels. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw that in. But anyway, and, and so, so as I'm reading, I'm finding precedent. I'm finding promises, things that I can bring before God and put him in remembrance of. Now, it's not that God needs to be reminded of what he said. He knows very well what he said. You are doing it for you. (laughs) You are putting yourself in remembrance. God, you said this in your word. And because you said this, I have a promise. And it's not just any old promise, and it's not a governmental promise, and it's not a law that was passed in the state. This is the highest court of all. I have this promise from God. And I remember when my mom uh, experienced a massive heart attack back in 2011, and, and when she had that heart attack, the biggest issue, and I just want to bring up this because many of you have heard the story, was her heart which is a muscle, was not pumping the way that it needed to pump. And so it wasn't pushing the blood, which the life is in the blood, through the body the way that it needed to be pushed through. And because it wasn't pumping, we needed precedent that we could stand on. We needed to know God's will in the situation. Well, I know many other scriptures. You will live and not die and declare the work of the Lord. I knew that Jesus took every infirmity, every sickness and disease on his body on the cross when he died for me and by his stripes, mom was healed. But we're talking about the heart. And when the Holy Spirit was showing me how to stand for my mom, I sat down and I remember looking on and seeing that Gideon Bible sitting on the waiting room table right in front of me. Thank God for the Gideons. And I began to look through the Bible, and we found Psalm 57, 7. My heart is steadfast. Oh, God, my heart is steadfast. I said, this sounds like a heart scripture. It sounds like a pump scripture, right? And we took that scripture, and we stood on it. Do you know what happened? That night, they could not find a heartbeat in in mom's foot. And whenever there's a problem, a challenge with the major organs, all the energy, I mean, your body's amazing. Everything runs to the major organ. So what's the first thing it does? It cuts off the extremities. And so that next morning, the doctor came in and said, you know, we're not out of the woods by any means. He said, but your mom has a strong heartbeat in her foot. I went, glory to God. Man, I was so excited because why? I saw a, a small manifestation of, the, of, of what God was doing in her body. And the full manis- manifestation was on the way. I just, needed, I just needed a little opening in the door so we could kick the door open. Amen? All right. So, um, so I want to give you a few examples here. Because the Israelites, they had trust issues with God. Maybe not with, with, with each other, but they had a lot of trust issues with God. So turn over to the book of Exodus. I want to show you just a few things, and then we're going to pray for one another because we're getting rid of trust issues in here this morning between us and God. Not between you and your friend, you and your spouse. I'm not talking about trust issues with humanity. I'm talking about trust issues with God. Because I hear people say, oh, bless God. Yeah, God can do anything. 
All things are possible to him who believes. I mean, with God, all things are possible. And I hear people say that with their mouth, but their actions reflect a distrust for his promises. I'm just telling you what I see. In Exodus, think about this. In Exodus chapter 1 through chapter 13, all these amazing, amazing miracles, uh, or manif- I'm going to call them manifestations of deliverance, happened. Why? Because they're in Egypt, and God heard their cry for deliverance. And so, in the midst of that, God brought all of these manifestations of deliverance, right? He brought the frogs, He brought the blood in the water, He brought the gnats, He brought the locusts, He brought the, 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 the um, hail with fire from heaven, he brought, he brought blackness, all of these amazing plagues that God brought to honor himself. He said, in the eyes of the Egyptians, I will honor myself. They will see I am the true God. And he brings all these things, and then finally, the angel of death. And then at that, What does he say? He tells the Israelites, he says, now go and ask for gold, for silver, for brass. Ask for articles of clothing. And basically, they plundered the Egyptians. And they're leaving with all their stuff. All these riches. They're leaving Egypt. And they get out of Egypt and and they travel until they come to to the Red Sea, right? And so here they are at the Red Sea. Then Pharaoh and his army, they go, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go. We don't have any slaves anymore. And so they go after them. So now where are the Israelites? They are right against the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh and his army is behind them. And what do they begin to do? They, here's what they did. Man, you remember all the plagues that God delivered us from? He delivered us from the Egyptians with all these 10 different plagues. They were amazing. That's all we need is God to do a miracle here. Is that what they did? What did they do? Oh, God, we're going to die. Moses, here's what they did. They went to Moses. They ran to him and they said, why have you brought us here? Look at what you have done. You've brought us out here to die in the wilderness. What, there were no graves in Egypt? We couldn't die in Egypt? And now Moses, this, I want you to, I just want to point this out. This is just a little tidbit of information. But Moses, this is the first time he cries out to God too. Because I think this is the first time that he didn't know what to do with the Israelites. I mean, they're all pressing him and saying, what did, look at what you've done to us. And so Moses cries out to God. And what does God say? He says, why are you crying out to me? Move forward. I think many times we look at the sea of issues in front of us and and God is saying, move forward. And we're going, I'm not seeing it, God. Where do you want me to move forward? And we get sassy with God, and we forget our place. You ever had one of your kids get sassy with you? As a parent? That didn't last long. Oh, I guarantee you. 
my house it didn't. Amen. And didn't with my mom. I mean, she looks all cute and, and fluffy <laughs> over there, but yeah, she, no, she'd take you down, you know. And, 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 and it's Moses, God is saying, move forward. And Moses goes, okay. And I don't know if it was his foot or the staff that touched the water, but we've all seen the Cecil B. DeMille film probably. Now, this is another interesting piece of information. Three million people to go in a straight line is a 40-mile procession. So, you know, I'm thinking of the Cecil B. DeMille version, and it's what, maybe 30 feet across? You know, people are jamming down through this. I'm thinking God is a little bigger than that. I'm thinking he probably could have opened it up, you know. But regardless, he split the sea. It was at flood, no, the flood stage was when they were coming across. Anyway, but he split the sea and, and they walked across on dry ground. So you get all the way across on dry ground, and then here comes Pharaoh and his army after them. When do you think they realize this is a really bad idea? You think when they were, got down in there and they were looking, and there's a wall of water on this, a wall of water on that side, and they're going, and then the wheels start coming out of the chariots? Do you think then they're going, ah, this is not good? And then God closed in the water. And he delivered them from Egypt once and for all. Well, what did they do when they got on the other side? Man, Miriam took out the tambourine and she starts singing. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider are thrown into the sea. And they got a big party going on. I mean, they are dancing and they continue dancing all the way down the road as they're headed to their next, to the next chapter in Exodus. All right, chapter 15. Look at verse 22. They went three days into the wilderness. They found no water until they came to this certain place that they later named Mara because the water was bitter there. The water's bitter, which means they can't drink the water. So what do they do? It says in verse 24, and the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord. I was wrong. He cries out to the Lord here. And he says, Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the water, the waters were made sweet. So, well, what happened? We're only three days into the wilderness and you just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. But isn't this what happens? Because when your eyes get so focused on your issue, you can't see the victories that God has brought you through. And so if you base his faithfulness on the issue, it's no wonder that we're having difficulty getting our faith to work. Because we're not remembering who he is and what he's done for us. All we're focused on is what's in front of us. Isn't that right? We see it every day. We see it all the time. The issues want to draw your attention to it. The enemy, he's been at this a long time. He, he understands your faith. One of the biggest things that he's afraid of is you using your faith. 
Because that's where your authority is. Amen, Pastor Phil. It's good. It's good. All right. Okay. So then, so then they leave there and go to chapter 16. So they journey from Elam. And then the whole congregation of the children of Israel, in verse 2, complained. What'd they do? Why aren't they just thanking God? God, thank you. Man, you delivered us from Egypt. We came across the Red Sea on dry ground. You turned the bitter water into sweet water so that we could drink it. But no, they're complaining against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord back in Egypt. Keith Green wrote a song one time called, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. You guys remember that song? And it's like, you're not remembering Egypt. You were in bondage. You were in slave. I mean, we're talking slave labor. They weren't even giving you straw to make brick. You were having to go and get straw. And then you're getting whipped because you had quota that you weren't meeting. That's what you want to go back to. Hmm. And so anyway, they said, they said, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill, kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Look at what God is doing. God now gives them daily bread. He brings them all the way out into the wilderness. There's nothing to eat. And he says, you know what? I'm going to provide food for you every single day. Every single day. But I'm not going to allow you to stockpile it. You're only going to be able to collect what you need for that day. He is our daily bread. See, when we get in the Word of God every day, this is how, this is one of the reasons I do, I do a yearly Bible reading plan is because it's daily bread. Sometimes, sometimes if you don't have a plan, you wind up failing. But it's always good to have a plan so that you are getting daily bread somehow, right? Because it feeds your spirit. So then... In Exodus 17, all the congregation of the children of Israel, in verse 1, set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at this place. I don't want to say it wrong. And there was no water for the people to drink. So they all got down on their knees, and they said, God, you have been so faithful to us. You delivered us from Egypt. We walked across the Red Street on dry ground. You turned the bitter water into sweet water, and you provide our daily bread. Thank you. Thank you. I know that bringing water to this whole congregation is no big deal for you. Is that what they did? Is that what we do when we're faced with situations, circumstances, problems, troubles? Do we start rehearsing what God has done for us and memorialize what he did, what he's promised? Or do we get, do we turn into 
murmurers, complainers, gripers, where we complain and we murmur. It ruins our testimony. It really does. You know, you're on the job. You're griping and complaining about the job, griping and complaining about other things. And then, and then you try to witness to them to get them to, be, to serve your God. Why would I want to serve him? Keep it real. Keep it real. So they contended with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? And why do you tempt the Lord? So then they move forward. God delivers them from the Amalekites. And in Exodus 20, in verse 21, it says, so the people stood afar off. Why are they standing afar off? It's because God, the whole purpose and the whole reason that God brought them into the wilderness was to bring them to Sinai. He told Moses that. He said, you are going to bring all the children of Israel here to this mountain and you guys will worship me on this mountain. All the congregation will worship me on this mountain. Is that what happened? No. They came to the mountain and Moses was the only one that went up. They said, no, we're afraid. We're afraid. We don't want to worship God. You tell us what he says. Man, in Numbers 33, it lists 42 different camps where the Israelites stayed in their 42-year journey. Wow, that's moving. So why didn't they enter the promised land? They didn't trust God. They didn't trust him. How do you know that? Because of everything that we've just read. Is that trusting a person? When they've made a promise to you? They told Moses. God told Moses. He said, this is exactly what's going to happen. This is why I'm bringing them out. I'm going to bring I'm going to deliver them in a powerful way, and then you're going to bring them to this mountain. All of you are going to worship. You're going to make sacrifices. It's going to be an amazing time. But they didn't believe God. Let me, let me bring it home a little closer. Uh, some of you may know Rick Renner. Um, he is a missionary in, in Russia, and, and Rick was telling this story about how they were building a building uh, there, and He said in the area that they were building it, they had these regulations that the building had to be completed. It had to be this far completed by a certain date or they would come in and confiscate the building and the land. So he was a little stressed out about the time frame. And he said that he had sent out requests and all the people that he knew that had resource and ability to give large amounts of money had already given And they were off their mark. They weren't, you know, they had a lot more to do. And so he was sitting at his desk and he had his head in his hands and and he was really basically probably growing an ulcer over this thing. I mean, he's just being worried and being concerned about it. And he's crying out to God. And his, his son at that time was a little guy and he came walking in and he tapped his dad on the shoulder and he said, Daddy, what are you doing? And so he explained to him the situation and what was going on. And he said, so I'm just crying out to God for deliverance, you know, for for victory over the situation. And his son put his hand on his arm and he said, oh, dad, hasn't God proven himself to you yet? So 
So some of you in here, maybe many of you, have been thinking about a situation in your own life. And I want to pose that same question to you. Maybe you've, had, you've been so focused on the issue. You've been fo- so focused on trying to figure out how you can fix it, how you can overcome it, how you can eliminate it, get rid of it. But you're not looking back and seeing the victories in your life. And, it, and you, may, you may be in a situation where you just haven't, simply haven't asked God. Do you remember the children of Israel when they had the victory at Jericho? Then they sent spies to Ai. They didn't even ask God about the next city. And so the spies go and they check it out and they said, the whole army doesn't even need to go up. Just send a few thousand men. Well, what happened? The few thousand men went up and they were routed before the men of Ai. The men of Ai came out and they started attacking them. They killed 36 of them and they went home to Israel with their tails between their legs. And then Joshua, when he heard it, he cried out before God. He ripped his clothes and he laid down on his face before God the whole day with the elders. And finally, he began to cry out to God and he said, God, did you bring us here to the promised land to kill us? Listen to what he's saying. No. The plan was you would come here and God would give you the land. But God finally speaks to him and he says, he says, stand up, dust yourself off. He said, there's sin in the camp. He said, if you would have asked me, I would have told you, but you didn't ask me. It may be that God's waiting for you to ask him about this situation. Maybe you're like I was, you run to the phone instead of the throne It's time to hang up the phone and get in touch with the throne. Amen? Amen. 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 Wow. I want to read a couple of scriptures. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. See, we won't be able to pray effectively if we have trust issues with God. We won't have confidence in our prayer. We've got to get the trust issue taken care of. We've got to stop focusing on the problem in front of us and focus on the God who's the answer, who has the answer to every situation and every circumstance in our life. Amen? We got to stop focusing on everything that is an issue for us and trying to figure it out, trying to understand it. Do you know, I know, I know people that know, they know so much about the sickness they have. They could, have a, they could have a doctorate. That's right. I mean, they know all of the names, how to pronounce them, what they mean. They know the medicine they're taking. I mean, they could tell you everything about it. And my first thought is, how many scriptures do you know? Because you're seeking knowledge instead of the answer. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah, because if you don't know as much, but you know the word, you're already in a win situation. Because by, by just focusing on knowledge, and I'm not saying knowledge is bad, okay? 
But if that's all you focus on, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. You start to be proud of how much that you know. Some people talk about their sickness like they're bragging about it. And I'm like, how can you get free from something that you're bragging about? Just keeping it real here, guys. Turn over to Philippians uh, chapter 4. I'm going to think I'm going to end on this. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, watch out, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and it'll guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I think we need to read that again. In verse six, let's read it again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Man, oh man, oh man. See, 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sometimes we can put too much faith over here in, in man's opinion and not enough faith in our Father. <laughs> Who knows better how to fix the body than the manufacturer? He not only knows how to fix it, he knows how to give you new stuff. Hmm. So that was my big, that was my big point. If you didn't catch it already, it was, hasn't God proven himself to you yet? Or are we gonna continue to gripe and complain? Continue to be frustrated? over our situation, over our circumstance, over what's wrong in our life, over a physical challenge? Or are we gonna turn to the one that can fix, the fixer, the manufacturer, the healer, and turn to him? And some of you, maybe you're not reading your Bible every day. Maybe you're not reading it much at all. That's a great place to start, is to begin to read the Bible. You know what I do? Um, I love in my phone where I begin to write scriptures down. And I put them in my phone. And like these are healing scriptures. And I quote them every day. But, but the reason I quote them every day is not so I can say, hey, look at me. I, I memorized a bunch of verses. No, it's so that when a situation arises, I have the bullet right there. You know what I mean? And I don't have to go look for it. Most uh, thieves are not going to wait for you to go find your gun. The smart ones are not. But I started doing that with healing scriptures. I started doing it with um, increase. Because there's things that we're believing for in our personal lives, in the church, 
I began to do it with, I began to develop all these topics. Here's one on offense. Proverbs 19:11. good sense makes one slow to anger. And it's to his glory to overlook an offense. I did a bunch on anxiety. I just read one of them. Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hebrews 13, 6. May we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is where it starts. This is the Christian walk. This is us growing our faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That means that you take the word of God and you put it to work in your life, in situations and circumstances. That you pray first. Run to the throne. Well, I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around, all around the room. Thank you, God. God, we're just so thankful. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful, Lord, <clears throat> for everything that you've done. Lord, you have been faithful to your word. We know in our personal life, Lord, where we have experienced victories because of you. And Father, I thank you that these future issues, these things that we're dealing with now and those that are coming in the future, Lord, that you have given us the victory over those. But God, now we turn to you. Lord, we're no longer gonna try and figure things out on our own. No longer gonna give credit to and, and, and power to, to sickness or disease or issues or problems. But God, we're gonna give glory to you. Yeah, that may be a problem, but my God is bigger than that problem. That may be a sickness that has been debilitating or people have died from that, but my God is greater than the sickness. My God is greater than any issue, any problem. So Father, we repent. We repent for murmuring, for complaining, throwing you under the bus in front of other people, ruining our witness. We ask you to forgive us, God. We ask you to forgive us, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. 